Hey guys, TK here. Just a big, big shout out to my brand new sponsor, Bulk Nutrients. Bulk Nutrients I've been using for my supplement needs for about six years' times in terms of quality, price, customer service. They're an Australian company. They are second to none. The products I'm using at the moment is the green superfood powder, which you can pick up for only $25 for 250 grams. The protein matrix, which is only $29 for one kilo. And they've got some fabulous flavors in terms of chocolate, vanilla, salted caramel, this chalk honeycomb, which tastes like a gay time ice cream if you're in Australia. Also, this awesome, awesome rocky road that I've been having lately. Apart from that, also get the creatine monohydrate, which is as low as $9 for 250 grams or $19 for one kilogram. So check out the range at www.bulknutrients.com.au forward slash TK. That's www.bulknutrients.com.au slash TK. Welcome back to episode 81 of the podcast, and my special guest today is Paul Rabel. We're going to be going for another international feel after the episode we had with Dorian Yates last week, but uh, just to introduce Paul, Paul is a superstar of lacrosse. He's on Team USA. He's on the New York Lizards. He's a six-times champion, three-times MVP. He's doing some wonderful world Wonderful things in media and also business as well. He's hev- he's a heavy entrepreneur. He's got Rabel Tours, Rabel Ventures, and he's been named top 40 most entrepreneurial athletes. He's got his Paul Rabel Foundation, and the way I found him was actually through his podcast, Suiting Up Podcast. I actually found him through a friend of mine, Joe DeFranco, who is one of the huge strength and conditioning coaches over in America. On Joe's Instagram, Joe actually did Paul show about midway through last year. So when he popped up, I usually do take notice and I had a little look into what Paul was doing and yeah, I found this awesome podcast. He's had the likes of, he's had an Aussie on there actually, Dane Swan. But if you're really into your American sports such as your NBA, NFL, NHL, Olympic sports, even behind the scenes with some of the CEOs and the player association uh, presidents. He's had the likes of Steve Nash, Tiki Barber, Randy Foy, Jay Williams, like I said, Joe DeFranco, Travis Pastrana, Drew Brees, Jeremy Lin, Venus Williams, and one of the greatest NFL coaches of all time in Bill Belichick. So I really, really love what he's doing. He's so versatile. I actually think he is leading the way, one of the pioneers for the next evolution to how I think athletes will continue to maybe forge their own path in both business and media. I do see a big sort of opening in that media field in terms of people starting their own podcasts and just sharing information and using networks that they build through being top flight professional athletes. And when you consider that lacrosse is one of the minor sports in America, his profile is second to none. You would actually think he was probably an NFL player or maybe an NBA starter. That's how popular Paul actually is over in America. So if you haven't yet, please check out his podcast. It's called Suiting Up Podcast. I'll have all the information in the show notes. Also, make sure you give his his foundation a, a follow, Paul Rabel Foundation, 
and you'll find him on all the social medias, which I'll put in the show notes also. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just a big shout out to everyone tuning into the show today. I really appreciate it. I had a lot of positive feedbacks from last week's episode with Dorian Yates. So if you, if you haven't yet, please go check out the episode with six times Mr. Olympia, Dorian Yates. I've got some bumper episodes ahead. If you are in Australia and New Zealand, I've got the likes of Elise Perry. I've had Kurt Gidley, Luke Rickardson, so a couple of footy boys there. Clint Newton's also going to be coming on. He runs the Rugby League Players Association. I've got a busy week. Josh Childress, former NBA player, also played at the Sydney Kings and also Adelaide 36ers recently. We recorded on the weekend, so he's got a very, very interesting story from Compton to the world. So be on the lookout for that. If you haven't yet, please subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, or you can find it all online. I've got it there, www.talkingwithtk.com. Please get in touch with me or let me know what you think of any of the episodes. I'd love to hear your feedback. Please tweet me at TalkingWithTK. That's also my handle on Facebook. You will find me on Instagram at Tristan Nell. Or please feel free to send me an email, Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. Always really interested to hear your feedback or any guest requests. Always interested to see who you have idolized growing up or people that inspire you now. So hopefully we can get them on the show for you. Just a big shout out to today's sponsor, which is Bulk Nutrients. Bulk Nutrients is someone that, you know, it's a company I've been using for about six years. It's second to none in terms of price, value, reliability, quality. It's one of those things you, you order on a Monday, you literally get it on a Wednesday. I get it to my office, sometimes I get it to my home, but they pretty much, any, anything under three kilos, it gets shipped express. So it's such a quick turnaround, it's way better than going to the shops. Let me go through some of the things that I'm using. The Green Fusion, which is a green superfood powder. It is just, especially if you don't eat veggies, it's something that I highly recommend. I actually bought a kilogram, which is only $79, or you can get them in separate separate containers as well. 250 grams will only set you back 25 bucks. And when you have a look at some of the greens powders on the market, that's second to none in terms of value. Other things I do recommend, Protein Matrix is something I've just recently been trying. It's something that, you know, I've had a few issues with digestion and bloating, but it is a special formula for that. So it's only 29 bucks for a one kilogram or $56 for two kilograms. There is chocolate, vanilla, salted caramel, choc honeycomb, rocky road. The lists go on. If you're into your whey protein concentrate or your isolate, Concentrate WPC is only 27 bucks a kilogram. Or your weight protein isolate, it's only 36 bucks a kilogram. Highly recommend both. And I also like to add a little bit of creatine monohydrate, which is only nine bucks for 250 grams. I've got a big one, I've got the one kilogram, which is only 19 bucks. A smoothie recommendation that I do love every single morning before my workout is some protein matrix, some creatine, my green fusion, and then I put a banana, I put some chia seeds and some almond milk, a couple of ice cubes, and that is delicious. Also, maybe some frozen blueberries from time to time, but I highly recommend you get on the TK the TK nutrition. So guys, check out the range at www.bulknutrients.com.au forward slash TK. I would never recommend anything that I don't use myself. So I am highly using these guys every single day. 
So again, www.bulknutrients.com.au. All right, guys, let's get straight to the episode and I introduce Poor Abel. All right, guys, my special guest is Paul Rabel. Paul is the world's most recognized lacrosse player and plays for the New York Lizards and Team USA. He's the co-founder of the Paul Rabel Foundation, host the hit show Suiting Up, while he's also an entrepreneur investor with a couple of his prominent ventures, including Rabel Events and the Paul Rabel Experience. A welcome to the podcast, Paul Rabel. Paul, welcome, Thank buddy. You. Thanks for having me, TK. Appreciate it. Absolute pleasure, man. What I want to start with first is probably something really close to your heart. I just wanted to know a little bit more about the Paul Rabel Foundation and mm. how it all started and what it actually means to you, bud. Yep, sure. So it was a moment where I began to first peak in my professional career. So it was in 2010. I graduated from Johns Hopkins in 08, and I had a good rookie year uh, where I was an all-star in the league and began uh, to really start figuring out how to market and connect with the lacrosse audience. And that was at the advent of social media. So Facebook was kind of the sole driver of the mega four platforms that we see today in way of social networking. At the time, they just released their fan pages in 2008. So I was one of their early adopters. And with a niche sport like lacrosse, you know, what we call linear media, which is television, print, and radio, wouldn't cover it as much. So social media is a great platform for niche athletes to build an audience that otherwise they wouldn't be able to connect with. So I started growing there. And then in 2010, we won our first world championship as I was playing with Team USA. And we won an NLL championship. So things began to start happening. And previous to that, you know, the charitable charitable component has always been important to me, giving back. It's what's been instilled from my father and mother and um you know, and friends and family has always been, you know, let, let's see what we can do to support. I mean, I, I believe that service and giving is the fastest track to fulfillment and real happiness. Yeah. Um, so so I, I, I thought, OK, I've got this foothold in the lacrosse community rather than you know, just participating with other orgs. Let me try and see if I can have a greater impact by leveraging my success that I've had up to this point in the brand that I've built also do something that's really important and hit homes to me. So Paul Rabel Foundation helps children with learning differences. I grew up with, with several, same with my brother and my sister. So we work with um, partnered schools that specialize in that privatized form of education for kids with dyslexia in, in specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we provide scholarships to families in need, and we've also helped upstart lacrosse programs at these schools. So. It's been a, a fun journey, and all of it is volunteer. We just actually started my mom as our executive director, which I think is really great, mm-hmm. uh, given that it's a family foundation, and, and she, it, you know, next to anyone, knows what it's like to have multiple jobs, you know, get my sister to school in and back out of D.C., which is an hour trip each way, and picking the boys up at practice and, and try to manage uh, the needs of a family uh, it's you know, kind of middle class and uh, multiple kids and specialized needs. So uh, she's been doing really great for us. And, and that's kind of uh, that that was the genesis and also where we're at now. Yeah. Working with family just seems really important to you because when you're on Joe D's, I heard that you said that your dad came on 
came on board Rayball Events is in sales as well. And obviously you work with your brother quite closely and then you just said your mum is working closely with the foundation. Is that kind of a core sort of ingredient with most of the ventures that you do, Paul? Yeah, I think so. And uh, I'll say first that the, the, the primary reason is that most of what I've learned as an adolescent, especially, and, and even into my adulthood, is gleaned from my parents or my older brother, Mike, or younger sister, Becca. And uh, so it makes sense to, okay, if I have an opportunity to bring them on board to work more formally uh, in whatever capacity, let me definitely do that. The second, though, is with business in particular, loyalty and trust is really important. Um, and, uh, and you get that without a doubt when you're working with family. Now there's, there's always conversation. I'm not sure where it stemmed from originally that, you know, don't mix business with friends or business with family. Um, I actually think that's off. Uh, I, and the reason why is, uh, is, is that I think that only is, is a, is a ra- is a reason that stems from a lack of communication. Now, with my older brother, Mike, for example, we, we're very close. We're competitive. We, we play sports together against, with, against each other. We run businesses together. And yes, we're more likely to um, maybe take for granted that relationship. Yep. And, and I think that's what happens on occasion. But in the end, we establish quarterly and sometimes bimonthly check-ins where we sit down and We'll say, okay, what's been bothering, what's working, what's not, and we address those like any business partnership should or any marriage or relationship should, um, and, and we move forward. So I think if you have the right tools in place, especially communicatively, uh, then working with friends and family presents real upside. Yeah. Did you have to kind of, before you got into there with, for example, Mike, did you kind of have a bit of a chat about maybe boundaries or things that you you want to like for example if one of you do stuff up you can call each other out and to be expected to do that did you have sort of a chat around that yeah and, and we still do so so that's the thing right i, I think that's what i've learned in in, in business and, and especially in sports is oftentimes one conversation isn't good enough yeah. um and, and some of us retain information better or for worse um need repetition and uh and I think that's really important, especially with, um, you know, re- really seminal things like like a, like the business partnership. So for for Mike and I, we check in regularly, and then if there's someone that kind of missteps or does something that aggravates the other person, then what we'll usually do is throw a calendar invite or shoot a text and say, hey, let's talk about it tonight or tomorrow morning when we're next free, and and we just iron it out. Um, you know, there's other tactics you can, you can use if, you know, cause a lot of people will, will get in the heat of the moment and then that's when it can also lead to conflict. So the boundaries that you're re- referencing is like, if one person wants to basically like hold the white flag up or say like, Hey, I'm sensing this thing going the, in the right direction. We're going to press pause here and revisit it. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually really valuable, um, and should be a route. It's definitely a route that I take. I feel like others would benefit from it versus this need to like solve something quickly it's yep. a lack it's it's really for a lack of patience one and for two going back to you know kind of the age-old thought of like never going to bed angry at someone that you care about or love it's like i don't i don't understand um you know kind of why not especially if if the pattern 
is such that it's going to lead to a really drawn out kind of heavy conflict or conversation that doesn't get anywhere. It's better to create space uh, and research backs that. You're much more likely to get to a resolution. Yeah, nice advice. All right, Paul, take me back to the origins in Hyattsville, Maryland, because obviously for us Aussies, we probably don't know too much about it. So fill in, fill in a little bit about your, your hometown. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I grew up in, in a suburb in Maryland outside of D.C. and, um, you know, born into a middle-class family. My dad, uh, who's now working for us, spent 35 years in printing and sales, and my mother was an art teacher at a local private school. Um, and uh, my brother and I and my younger sister – we grew up very close, played a lot of sports, uh, bonded, um, you know, within and, and kind of overlapped social groups. Yep. And, uh, and, and, uh, you know, for me, especially in like more of a sports centric home, uh, you know, my dad helped us get our hands on really whatever we wanted. He, he says that if there was a sport we wanted to play and he could afford it, he put us in it. Yeah, cool. Uh, and I'm a big advocate of, uh, young athletes, playing multiple sports rather than sports specializing, even if they're certain that there's a sport they favor over others. I just think there's so many benefits that you learn from a skill standpoint, athletic standpoint, and relationship standpoint, playing with different people and under different coaches. Hmm. And that fits you better for the long term um, as you're able to pull you know, my ability to see the field from playing soccer and move in good space to know how to do a pick and roll and and, uh, you know, crossover dribble and basketball crosses over to my split dodge and lacrosse and my ability to run midfield is similar to my sense on the soccer field and so on and so forth. So uh, played a lot of sports growing up, um, played a lot outside. Technology wasn't what it is today. And I think uh, that's certainly uh, something worth thinking through if, if you're a parent and listening and well. You know, my kid's on his phone or playing Fortnite all, all day, and, and uh, there, there's a level of that you may want to resist it from times, but the other, the other thing is just kind of accepting modern technology for what it is. And uh, so anyway, that, 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 that's basically my origin. Growing up, we played sports. We worked hard in the classroom. Um, I wasn't, you know, hell-bent on playing college or professional lacrosse or any sport for that matter. I just really love sports. And and guys, just a quick break in today's episode. Last week, we had on six times Mr. Olympia, Dorian Yates. And here is a quick snippet from our chat with Dorian. That, that's, that's kind of partially one of the reasons I stayed there. And, and it was a big psychological advantage for me because nobody could kind of figure me out. Yeah. I couldn't find any in my physique or my um, mentality. Because they didn't know me, they didn't know enough about me. Where they knew each other, they all saw each other in the gym every day, so they had some kind of handle, you know, like on each other. But with me, they knew nothing, and I like, I, I kind of like to keep it that way. Yeah. What about on competition day when you unveiled yourself in the dressing room for the first time? Did you just see eyes all over you? Oh, absolutely. I don't see them. I can feel them, and uh, it, it was something I used to do. Um, that I would keep my tracksuit on like as long as possible, you know? So I would be warming up and pumping up. And I know everybody's waiting, I know everyone wants to see, yeah? And while you're, while you're in that mode, you're not, you know? Yeah. You're not thinking about yeah. yourself and you're, and you're not being positive because you're being nervous and you're waiting and you're focused on this. So good guys, you can focus on this. 
and you, you can already be thinking like our second place is like really like first place now so guys please go back and check out the episode with Dorian if it's your first time here please subscribe via iTunes Stitcher Overcast or you'll find it all online at www.talkingwithtk.com and of course it's always free so please share it with your family and friends big shout out to my major sponsor Bulk Nutrients as I explained in the intro I'm a big fan of their green fusion which is just a green superfood powder if you're not eating enough greens I highly recommend that you check out the range it's only 250 grams for 25 bucks or a whole kilogram for $79 comes in raw or, or flavoured. So check out the range at www.bulknutrients.com.au forward slash TK. That's www.bulknutrients.com.au forward slash TK. All right, guys, let's get back to the conversation with Paul. Yeah, you know, you love the sports. Was that something that really helped you? Because you mentioned before your learning disability, you know, going through that adversity as a child, was sports something that really helped you? Oh, big time. So, you know, when you have challenges in the classroom, whether it's differences or you're just kind of distracted or not paying attention, you don't do well, you lose confidence. So no matter how you cut it, right, if you're getting a bad grade, you lack confidence. And when you're a young kid, you can spiral out and make excuses and get into bad stuff. Uh, sports for me was an outlet to build my confidence up. Um, I tended to excel playing sports. I was pretty athletic, but I think I excelled because I just really loved playing. So I practice and really out practice all of my teammates, no matter what sport. Yeah. Um, I watched a ton of tape when I was younger. That's how I acquired skill too. Right. So if I was playing lacrosse, I would watch reruns of the final four. Yeah, when I was nice. playing basketball, I would watch Michael Jordan on television and mimic his moves in the backyard. So, so there were all different things. You were yeah, a visual, visual learner. learner. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. How long did it, because you went to quite a good university as well, how long did it take you to kind of bridge that gap academically? So I think it was probably towards high school where I started picking up some study hacks that would help me excel in the classroom. And it was really by force. So I transferred to DeMatha, which was my high school, uh, my sophomore year. And it was a private school. But different than the public school is the curriculum. So we had quizzes every day. And the reason why we had quizzes every day in all of our classes is that it was a way to force the students to do homework and pay attention. Mm. Right? Schools, when I say hack, schools are pretty easy to hack. They're not easy. They, they, you can hack into them if you understand what your syllabus is. Say like, okay, we have four tests, a midterm and a final. You know, I could probably do well on two of the four tests and then test out well on the midterm and final, I'm gonna get an A. And so you just kind of like plan, and this is this is when I realized I was an entrepreneur, is you plan, yeah. you know, your route to success based on, you know, all the information that you're gathering. So in that kind of methodology, you wouldn't have to really read the homework assignments every night. You just have to read them before the test. So anyway, I, I was forced to, to move off of that at Tamatha because we didn't have a choice. We had all these quizzes. So I was able to then pick up ways that I could kind of speed read, ways that I would take notes, and ways that I could study more efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, that helped me as I got to college at Johns Hopkins, which is you know, a top 10 university in the US. Um, 
and uh, went back to the traditional syllabus of a midterm and a final and a paper um, and, and just kind of figured it out. So my competitiveness from the field soon transferred and that confidence into the classroom. And, uh, and with enough effort, anyone can really do anything. All right, before we move on, I'm really, I'm really intrigued about John Hopkins University and your experience there, but just one thing I did miss out is actually finding lacrosse because it's a very interesting game, especially for us Australians. The first time I was exposed to it wasn't actually on TV or social media because it was that long ago. It was actually on American Pie. Yeah. Because <laughs> like back in the early 2000s, like we only got cable TV here in Australia in like 1996 or something. So literally we only had access to you know the top american sports like the big time ones like the nfl and the nba the big money ones we didn't really mm-hmm. get exposed to much college sports at all so it was interesting when oz and stifler were playing this game it just looked so much fun it looked like a bit of a cross between american football and then rugby league and rugby union that we play here in australia so it actually was quite interesting to find this new sport but tell tell the audience just a little bit about lacrosse and exactly how you found the game yeah, yeah, that's funny you say that because that's that's one of like our uh, our worst nightmares is that people um, you know it's great because you get exposed. <laughs> I say worst nightmare. It's great because you get exposed to the game through American Pie. But when we say worst nightmare is like they, they from a, the director's standpoint, they didn't really capture the game in its truest form. It was great to see Oz kind of get out there, this all American guy, and get the ball down the field and score. But I'll give you an example. Like the, the goalie's not holding the stick properly. Uh, they're, they're not wearing the right pads, right? It was like a, a few LA directors who had this big budget film that said like, ah, oh, let's do lacrosse for whatever reason and we'll figure it out from watching some tape. Now you look at Hollywood, uh, because it's so specialized like sports, if there is a big sports production, they usually bring on a specialist onto set. I've yeah. been asked to do that. I actually did it with a film called Cricket Arrows. Yeah, nice. And uh, yeah, and you kind of like say, okay, maybe this is how lacrosse is presented. So to your question, um, what, what gravitated me towards it was it was really an amalgam of all the skills and movements that I loved in other games. So you have the endurance of soccer. You know, you, you're running anywhere from three to five and a half miles during a game. Um, and I know soccer players often run a little bit longer, but but that that still is is really unmatched across other sports. You have the kind of hand-eye coordination of basketball and the pick and roll and kind of the the one-on-one. You get the contact of football; it's a full contact sport. Um, and, and and really, like if you look at hockey, the stick and ball, or baseball, stick and ball. So you know all the things that I love personally about sports. I got that all in one in lacrosse. Um, and then, I, and then I excelled at it, frankly. And, and so when you look at kids, uh, young and old and amateur and professional, they often decide to move forward with, a, with the sport that they're best at. Okay. And it may not actually be their favorite sport. They just tend to be the best at it. So then when you're great at anything, sport agnostic or whatever industry you're working in, um, you tend to accelerate pretty quickly and enjoy things much more and start the success of what it's like to be the best in whatever it is you are. So that's where I decided to really go long is, you know, I had this game that I, was, that I really enjoyed, but more so I was excelling at it. Mm. Paul, you're six foot three and you're in the midfield. Just to give us a few insights, uh, predominantly the taller guys in the midfield. Is there, is there shorter guys, taller guys than you? How's that going yep. to work? Yep, yep. So, you know, we're certainly not like these big trees in basketball, 
that are all six five, six eight, yeah. seven foot. You know that 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 is a, a sport that is is pretty unbelievable. Um, I would say we're starting to get closer to football, okay. uh, where you're seeing some world class athletes now playing lacrosse. You know, probably in the eighties and nineties. When I was first watching it, especially in the 90s, it was known as a sport that could accompany any size because it was more about your skill, similar to probably how hockey once was. And then as the sport progresses and starts generating revenue and scholarship and gets airtime on television, young kids who are really talented decide to go long in that particular sport. So I think you know there, there were certainly guys ahead of me that were terrific athletes, uh, or before me there were terrific athletes. Uh, you know I tend to be one now recognized as an athlete that could have played other sports professionally, but I chose to play lacrosse. Now there are, are terrific athletes. So guys that are six, 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 seven, who are playing defense and covering me. There's certainly smaller attackmen that are still really, really skilled, like a uh, Martin St. Louis in, uh, in the NHL. So you get a, a, a different set of size players. And I mentioned football too, because football used to be a massive sport for big athletes. Now they've trimmed down because speed is more important than, than strength. They're finding out. So you have these small slot receivers and such. But I would say that the range of athlete uh, goes from anyone who can play probably five, five, seven, five, eight to okay. for the most part, the average player I would say is around six foot to six, two. Yeah. Nice. What were the backyard battles like between you and Mike? Pretty intense. We actually, TK stopped, uh, stopped going head to head when, when we reached probably eighth and ninth grade because we started like really getting strong and every um, game would end up in a fist fight one way or another. Because <laughs> you're so, tall and he's wide, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And, and he's also incredibly athletic. So Mike's someone who played varsity basketball, varsity football, varsity lacrosse. Um, so bigger gentleman it's got big bones um but he uh but but it's really really limber and quick on his feet that's why he played college football um so so mike uh mike and i had different kind of skills because he i was a little bit taller and he was a little bit wider but we moved at the same pace early on and you know just got got really competitive so when we were out in the backyard, especially in the neighborhood, we would have this rule where Mike and I would have to play together. So we'd usually acquiesce the first and second pick, and then we'd get the third and fourth. Yeah, nice. All right, Paul, moving on to John Hopkins University. Were you scouted for that university, or is that something that you always kind of had your eye to go to that uni? No, definitely. Um, you know, we call it recruiting. And um, in high school, my, my sophomore year, I started to get some letters in my junior year, I started feeling all the calls from Division One coaches across the country. Um, I was originally looking at ACC schools. I was I was kind of thought when I was younger that I wanted, you know, this broad university experience of a North Carolina or Virginia. Um, so I was more keen on that originally, and uh, but kept Johns Hopkins at bay as Dave Petromalo, who's the coach then, still is now, um, was just such a great recruiter. He would have long conversations and. He was really interested in what I was up to and how I thought about things. And I suspect that's why he had like four consecutive number one recruiting classes in the country is he was just able to connect with young athletes. Um, so I kept them at bay and I ended up taking my official visit there alongside all the ACC schools. And it was just really different. Everything was based and focused on lacrosse where not to the fault of the other schools. I went to Carolina and they took me to the Florida state, North Carolina football game, brought me out on midfield and that was like really cool, but 
it was for football. And when I get to Johns Hopkins, they took me to the lacrosse hall of fame. They showed me all the championship trophies that they had. Uh, they took me out to eat. I went to a practice. I stayed with an upperclassman who was their ten- most talented player versus traditionally on recruiting visits. You stay with the freshman or freshman class so you can get like the freshman experience. So they just did things differently. And for me, I wanted to be long in lacrosse and it felt like that's what mattered most to them. Yeah. What did you end up studying there? I studied political science um, and I had an entrepreneurship management minor because that was the only uh, business focused degree that they had. Now uh, they have the Carey School of Business graduate and undergrad uh, program. I probably would have done that, but I'm glad I, I studied um, politics and government. And, uh, you know, I think that just it helps you with a wider skill set is, is so much, especially in today's climate. Um, it you know matriculates from what's happening in Capitol Hill. Mm. Is John Hopkins? Is it what do you call guys over there? Call it an Ivy League school? No, it's not. It, it's not an Ivy League school. The Ivies, I'm probably going to botch this, but it's like Dartmouth, Cornell, Harvard, Princeton, Penn, Columbia, uh, a few others. So my 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 brother played at Dartmouth, so he's an Ivy Leaguer. Yep. Uh, Johns Hopkins is known for its medical, its pre-med programs. Um, it's a, kind of a global institution um, that, is, that is, you know, world-renowned for um, its medical studies and its ability to produce some of the world-class doctors and surgeons. Guys, we hope you're enjoying the episode with Paul. Just a quick break. Just a big shout-out to our sponsors, Bulk Nutrients. Protein matrix is something that you definitely want to consider, especially if you have bloating or you don't really digest supplements too well. You know, it's a really great blend and only is $29 for a kilogram. You can get it in chocolate, vanilla, salted caramel, chalk honeycomb or rocky road, something I highly recommend. If you can tolerate, whey protein concentrate is only $27 for a kilogram, while whey protein isolate is $36 for one kilogram. So they're Aussie owned, their value and their delivery is second to none. So check out the range at www.bulknutrients.com.au forward slash TK. That's www.bulknutrients.com.au forward slash TK. Yeah, I was going to ask you about it because I know that, you know, why while you guys don't have the million dollar salaries of the NFL players, you guys do have a lot of people that work on things like Wall Street or as you just mentioned in medical and things like that so the networking opportunities at these lacrosse schools are, are pretty huge aren't they oh for sure so I think yeah that's right we, we don't have the wages on field that football basketball or baseball has and I think justifiably so uh, because we don't have the big you know broadcasting deals with networks that are paying the league a bunch of money or the big sponsors that are coming in and ultimately you know those are the the two biggest levers in running a sports league is like what's your media look like how much money are you making on that as a league and on a, a team base with your regional network league sponsors like and the local sponsors tickets are going to be there you're going to sell tickets but I think right now we're we're ticket based so uh, players aren't being compensated as much, but it's a whole nother conversation, TK, on, on yeah. where I think that could go. Um, but anyway, it's it's a sport that, that's growing faster than any other team sport in the U.S. and has been for the past 15 years. Year-over-year year growth um, continues to increase. At Now it's kind of more of a 3% rate, but 
about 10 years ago was increasing like five to 10% year over year. Um, Division one men's and women's teams continue to pop up each year and high school teams are being sanctioned across the country. So lacrosse is on the up and up. Um, and I think uh, there's a lot of momentum at our backs. Yeah, Paul, where did you get the idea? Because for yourself, you're quite recognizable. You've got a, a big social media following and you've probably got more of a recognition than a lot of the NFL players, a lot of the probably ice hockey, baseball players. Was there a light bulb moment where you saw or maybe had a conversation with someone about building your brand outside of the sport? Um, yeah, I think I, I, it's a great question. Um, I, I didn't have this like grand vision on my own. Um, you know, it came through just a lot of curiosity. I was always excited as an athlete about what the major brands were doing in the manufacturers. When I was first out of school, I signed with Under Armour and that was right when they went public. And I got a chance to spend a lot of time with Kevin Plank where watching, you know, the CEO of this billion dollar company go private to public and then roll out a shoe line and all this other stuff. I learned about the marketing, right? He was a really savvy marketer. And then, you know, fast forward three years, I went over and signed with Warrior and New Balance. They gave me my own line of equipment that I helped work on the R&D side. So I've always been really attracted to the business side of sports. Mm. Uh, and then naturally what sells any product service is, is, is the marketing and, and getting the tools or the toolkit uh, through these social media platforms, right when I graduated, the timing was there, but then the opportunity to, to really tell your own story uh, tapped in, and I think, the creative side. So the interest was there, and then I started asking a lot of questions and meeting a lot of people who continued to share more wisdom with me and introduce me to the people who were making you know, the decisions on the platforms and what trends and products and features they were trying out, and I was always like, raising my hand, hey, how can I participate and how can I, you know, grow my audience and thereby growing lacrosse? Yeah, okay. You know, when you first, you know, you just mentioned getting Under Armour, I'm sure that when you first got your first sponsor, it was, it might have been a situation where, you know, finally someone was interested in you, so you might sign straight away. Obviously now, given everything you've done in business, I'm sure that you're a lot more selective in who you kind of align yourself with. Can you take us back to that process? Did you kind of just jump to the first person that did show some interest in you and then maybe talk to us a little bit now about who you kind of, how selective you are with who you align yourself with. Yep, yep. So it was actually, TK, it was actually pretty similar to the college recruiting process, just a, a little bit faster because it, now, we're on, we're, now we're talking about career and business, right? So when you're younger you, and, and you're selecting a college, it's still very much an emotional experience for a kid and his family. When you get to business, it's a lot of times the brands are going to pull out the emotion and say like, Hey, this is, these are the terms this is what makes sense. So you can like sit down for a few pitch meetings and hear what these companies are offering. And then you got to make a decision. So it wasn't as elongated as the recruiting process, but I did have options and, and, uh, and, and chose to work with Under Armour originally, uh, they were Baltimore based. I was based in Baltimore and just gone to Hopkins or just graduated Hopkins. And, and so there were some synergies there for me. Yeah. Um, the challenge with, with Under Armour was that at the time they weren't making any lacrosse equipment. Um, so I just had a footwear and apparel deal with them. And then as I looked at my career moving forward, you know, without getting too deep into the weeds, it was important that, you know, I was endemically bound first. So when we say endemic, it's like who are the, 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 the sporting manufacturers that make the equipment. 
for your particular sport. Yep. And you see that in golf and such as like guys will sign with, with Callaway and, you know, or Ping or TaylorMade and then they'll do their footwear and apparel deal. So with Warrior owned by New Balance and frankly the most intellectual property in the game gave me the most opportunity to create what I felt was the best line of equipment that I could put my name on. And that's why I moved over. Um, so there was never like a, you know, a, a, a falling out or anything like that with Under Armour. The other is just kind of like looking at the overall assessment and alignment and brand messaging and being like really, you know, kind of really direct and thoughtful. And that's what I made that, that switch. But, you know, fast forward today to your, your other part of your question is, um, yeah, I think we're really selective. I think as these platforms have evolved and the audiences have grown and there's several billion people on one or more networks a day, um, you know, the, the conversation has gotten much more intricate and the audiences uh, can cut through a lot of bullshit, frankly. Like, so, so the branded campaigns where you're just like calling out a sponsor in the past that like doesn't make sense, won't fly and won't get any engagement. So we're selective around a couple of things. One is like, do I use the product? Is it important to me? Does it help me? Uh, and then two, like philosophically, do, do we enjoy working with the brand and the people behind the brand? And you know, what I've learned as an operator myself and an investor and then working with other companies is that it, it, the, the product, the brand, the service kind of is what it is, but moving the needle happens with the people. Yeah. And, you know, that's the biggest challenge in any company is that you have a driver, someone that I work with, uh, with one of the companies, and that person jumps ship because they have their career to look at, and they go to another company. Now I'm working with someone that I didn't know before and have to rebuild that relationship. It happens all the time with athletes and brands. Um, so there are so many, and that's what I meant, I didn't want to get too deep into the weeds, so I took us halfway there. Uh, but there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. I appreciate those insights. Now, Paul, just choosing the New York Lizards, because... Was that something that was very intentional? Because it seems that on the east coast of America, in terms of media, it is really popping off over there. Was that something that was intentional or just something that just, you know, was just came out of the blue that you're doing well, not only on the field, but off the field because of the positioning that you have on the east coast? So, yeah, so I, uh, I didn't different than the than the endorsements or the or the universities i didn't choose that i was traded to new york from boston and that was how you know some of these american team sports are structured from a player handbook and team to team deal uh different than overseas where you know players are treated more like company assets and uh you know because I, I i know um, you know kind of english soccer pretty well and so, you know, Tottenham is known as a club for going off and finding players young and developing the talent and then selling them and, and, and the organization making a lot of money off yep. of that development. They get rid of them pretty early. And you know, that's why Tottenham doesn't typically uh, have like you know, successive Champions League runs like a Man United or such because their strategy is a little bit different. And I find it fascinating. But in, in team sports, American team sports, we have free agency. And, and so the players are doing a lot of the movement and then the team's are trading and they're not putting a value on the player. They're just trading the player for another player or draft picks. Okay. So I was uh, with the Cannons in Boston for, for seven years and then was traded to New York for a bunch of draft picks and a bunch of players. And uh, it was the year before my free agency. So what goes into that is like when I become a free agent, I get to pick wherever I want, right? Okay. So the player gets all the leverage. So what the team says is like, well, shit, if Paul, next year, and this happens in the NBA and the NFL next year, Paul's going to become a free agent, so why don't we trade him now where we can dictate the terms and maybe get a bunch of players? 
Because if he becomes a free agent, he can just leave us and we don't get anything. So that's where teams kind of maneuver in American sports is like they'll see, okay, LeBron James. And that's why you see in the NBA these guys are only signing one-year deals Mm -hmm. because they know if they sign a two-year deal, then the team has control for that first year and can trade them off. Yeah. So it's fascinating what we're seeing happening in modern sports in America. Absolutely. Paul, take me to your debut for Team USA and maybe give us a few insights on to how you got the call up and maybe yeah. how you felt when the national anthem was being played. Yeah, I was, it was big uh, and still is. Um, I've played in two world games and played on Team USA for close to 10 years now. And, uh, you know, the call up is, is, you know, satisfactory, I would say. And, and that doesn't feel like a strong word, but I think when you're playing professionally and you get a call up, you feel really satisfied because you're given the opportunity, but it doesn't mean you're on the team. So I got a call up and I had to then prove myself that I could be on this team through a series of tryouts and training camps and such. Um, then when I was named to the final roster, obviously it's like, wow, this is pretty special. And then you exhale and then you prepare for the games. So as a younger player, I think I, um, wasn't in the moment as much. I was feeling, you know, a lot of pressure, but also looking forward to like, what's next, what's next? How can, you know, how can we win? How can I be better, et cetera? Yep. First national anthem, I mean, it was really emotional because you grow up watching the World Cup or the Olympics and such, and here you are on, on the same stage, on a similar stage with your particular sport. Um, now I, I would say, you know, fast forward 10 years of playing internationally is, uh, just really enjoy those moments and the process more. Fantastic. Okay, Paul, you only got a couple of minutes to go. So I'll shoot a couple less, my fifth final questions to you in terms of leadership, Paul, who are those that maybe you admire and maybe some of those traits that you like to instill yourself today? Uh huh. Yeah. So I would say a few leaders across sport. Um, I'll give you one player from Spanish football, and that's Carlos Puyol. I think he was one of the greatest captains of all time, leading perhaps the greatest team in all of sports of all time, Barcelona, in uh, in their series of championships over the course of probably five or six years with Lionel Messi and even Ronaldinho preceding Lionel and then Xavi Hernandez and Andres Iniesta. And he was like the workhorse and what they call the, the, the water bottle carrier. Uh, he was selfless, didn't like to do interviews, but you know, he was the true captain. You could see the respect that he had on field and the grit that he played with. And he was also really humble. And then there were plenty of games where Barcelona wiped the floor with the other teams. And if a player got out of hand on his team, was over celebrating, he'd go over and tell him to calm down and show respect. So, Carlos Puyol is, I think, representative of, of the best captain. Um, over in the States, you look at like Tim Duncan, who uh, you know, is a surefire Hall of Famer in the NBA, and just having just retired but played you know, close to or, or more than 20 years in the NBA, which is unbelievable when you look at 80-plus games a year. Um, so, so he was able to not only play at a high level, being an all-NBA power and, and center, but also be able to you know, take a second seat to other talent that the Spurs would have, uh, not have to have the ball and score 30 points a game, although he certainly could have if he wanted to, but he was a team first guy. Yeah, that podcast you did with Sam Walker, 
That was really yep. interesting the way he spoke, especially he was chatting a lot about Bill Cartwright and the ball, the balls. Mm-hmm. That one was like really, really intriguing. It was really interesting to see teams that that are successful where they don't. And Pele was another one that that was brought up as well. And that that you know you don't have to be the star player to be the captain. Sometimes the captain will do things that the star player just won't be able to do because of obviously their position in the team or maybe they don't have the ability to do so it, it is interesting to see some of the, the lower lights you know you're into your football as well so you know that the center backs i know in our national team our captain is probably not the most talented player on the team but in terms of the inspiration that the the team get from being around him is second to none when he's out of the team they lose yep yep no doubt and sam walker wrote the book the captain class so those are listening and, and interested in some of the stuff that we're talking about. It's an unbelievable book. And uh, he's a deputy editor chief at the Wall Street Journal and uh, has spent a, over a decade in sports. But he put together an analysis of the best captains in sports. And, and actually, Pele, as you mentioned, that Pele, we talked about Pele. Pele was never the captain of Brazil. And the reason was like Pele was the best scorer of all time in all of football during that time. And, uh, and the Brazilians understood that, like, why put more pressure on his shoulder? His job is to go out and score. You know, the captain's job is to congregate the team and get everyone ready and emotionally and physically fit. Like, let's not have our best player have that responsibility, too. Let's give that to someone else. And, and in fact, let's make sure our captain is, is, is doing that for Pele so he's ready to perform. Right. And so there's these yins and yangs that, that you look at as, as an orchestrator of a team and say, OK, who should be our best captain? Not necessarily the best player. Yeah, for sure. All right, Paul, we're going to finish on a fun one. You're going to be hosting a private dinner party. You've got five invites. Now, only rules, no family or friends, but you can invite anyone dead or alive. Who would you like to yeah. invite? Yeah, that's, that's a, I love this question. So I would start with uh, Barack Obama. Uh, I got a chance to listen to him speak again at the MIT Sports Sloan Analytics Conference this past Absolutely. weekend in Boston. He's visiting Sydney in like two weeks. I'm trying to figure out how I can get a ticket. Yeah, he, he's unbelievable. Um, and, and a guy who is often talking about the soft skills in leadership, as, as we've mentioned, and self-awareness and intentional inclusion in the workplace and politics and sports. He, really, um, he just knows how to project his voice. He just When he speaks, you just stop. It's just... yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then, so I, I think second, I would I would then choose Oprah Winfrey. Um, I uh, I've always been really drawn to her and her ability to empathize and kind of speak humbly, but also you know, kind of with with like educated experience and, and also action in place. And then even her successor in Ellen DeGeneres, I would ask that she join the table with us. <laughs> uh, my favorite, my favorite CEO, CEO of uh, LinkedIn, Jeff Weiner. Nice. Um, I, I think I would ask him. And then, frankly, uh, a podcast guest of mine. I told him this before, but uh, Scott Galloway, who okay. is uh, the uh, head of marketing at NYU Stern School of Business. He's a nine-time entrepreneur. So wildly successful as, as, a, as an entrepreneur who's transitioned to, to teaching and sits on a bunch of different boards and has sat on some as powerful boards as the New York Times. Um, but he is a, a really savvy um, entrepreneur with, with uh, baseline principles that align with sort of my similar morals. But what he does also is, is uh, kind of tell his origin story 
with a level of humility and openness that it's unlike anything. There's a great writer, and he uh, and he's often talking about you know as much as as he will share intel on Amazon, Facebook, Apple, and Google, which is kind of his expertise. He'll then talk about his personal life. So the, the way that he um, communicates, and it was one of my favorite podcasts. I'd love to have him join us. Yeah, for so sure. So your five, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, Paul, I really appreciate you joining me today. Before I let you leave, everyone get following Paul. He's got an amazing podcast, as we mentioned. Suiting Up Podcast, which you'll find on iTunes or anywhere you can get your, your podcast. Online, you'll find him at www.paulrabel.com or his, in, his Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, all the same handle, and that's Paul Rabel. Paul, my man, thanks so much for stopping by the podcast, man. It's been, it's been an absolute thanks honor for having, having you on. Absolutely, brother. And uh, any plans to come? Thanks, to, Any plans to come to Australia anytime soon, my man? Ah, uh, I would love to. Um, I, you know, lacrosse is is growing in Australia, and it has been for a while. They, Australia is actually in what we call the blue division, so the top division in the world games. And uh, anyway, I, I think there's a world where where I get out there and. and I think in the coming two years or so. So I'll, I'll definitely let you know if I do. Well, Paul, the best man. And uh, thanks again for doing the pod, eh? Thanks, TK. And guys, that was Paul Rabel. Make sure you do check out his show, Suiting Up Podcast. As I've mentioned, the likes of Dane Swan, Steve Nash, Tiki Barber, Randy Foy, Ray, Jay Williams, Joe DeFranco, Travis Pastrana, Drew Brees, Jeremy Lin, Venus Williams, and Bill Ch- Belichick. Uh, just some of the names that have been on this show. It's an amazing show, so check it out. Suiting Up Podcast. All right, guys, a bit of an Aussie feel coming up. We've got Elise Perry, Luke Rickardson, Kurt Gidley, Clint Newton, Keith Galloway is going to be coming on as well. If you're into your NBA, Josh Childress actually recorded over the weekend, so really excited to bring that episode to you. Please help me continue to grow the show. Share the show with your family and friends. Maybe tweet it out, you know, or post it onto Facebook. Tag me in any posts. Twitter, I'm at Talking with TK. Facebook, you will find my page at Talking with TK. Or please, you know, just add me on Facebook. I'm Tristan Cannell, which is spelled K apostrophe N E double L. Also on LinkedIn or Instagram, it's Tristan Nell. Or send me an email. Love to hear from you and have a conversation. Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. So please. Please send me an email. I'd love to have a little yarn with you. Just another big shout out to our major sponsor, Bulk Nutrients. Really glad to have them on board. Check out the range at www.bulknutrients.com.au forward slash TK. Definitely check out their green fusion, the protein matrix, and the creatine. They're the three things I go to every single week. So don't miss out. If you want to join the newsletter so you can be the first to hear about new shows, just jump on the website, www.talkingwithtk.com. There's a simple free join at the bottom of the page, and I'll send you I'll send you a reminder that the episodes are out. So no spam or anything like that. Please get in touch, like I said, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you some of the biggest and best names in Australian, New Zealand, and international sport. So stay tuned, but for now... I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking with TK.